0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونشكره ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله بالحق بشيرًا ونذيرًا بين يدي الساعة. من يطيع الله ورسوله فقد رشد، ومن يعصهما فقد غوى حتى يفيء إلى أمر الله. وإنه لا يضر إلا نفسه، وليضر الله شيئا. وقال الله عزّ من قائل: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. Bismillah ar-Rahman In Allahu Innallahu malaykatahu yasalluna ala al-Nabiyya Ya'idhu al-Nathina Sallu alayhi wa sallimu disleem Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim Wa ala ala in inna kahmidun majid Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad Kama barakta ala Ibrahim Wa ala ala Ibrahim inna kahmidun majid Respected brothers and sisters and esteemed ulama, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we have gathered here today to mark the completion of the memorization of the Holy Quran by three young students. Why should this be such a momentous occasion? Why should we attach any significance to these three young children having completed the memorization of a book? The answer is as many of the ulama and speakers before me have clearly mentioned the reason is that this is part of the miracle of the holy quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-hijr inna nahnu nazzalna dhikra wa inna lahu indeed we we have revealed the admonition, the remembrance, i.e. the Qur'an. وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ And surely we, we, will most assuredly guard it. We will preserve it. Allah has taken on a personal responsibility and an individual undertaking that He will guard and preserve the Qur'an from falsehood, from distortion, from erosion, and from disappearance. That is Allah's promise. And throughout the 14 centuries, since the pronouncement of these verses by Rasulullah the world has continued to witness the fulfilment of this miracle in every area of inhabited lands, in all kinds of different cities, in Muslim lands and non-Muslim lands, until today we continue to witness this miracle. To put things into perspective, Let's look at memorisation. How easy is it to memorise things? People ask us for our phone number. How many of us can remember our own phone number? Especially not the landline, but with a mobile number that stores your given number. And very few people have any need to actually Continue to memorise a number and pass it around. Especially if you change it frequently. Surely if you've kept it for a few years, then fine. People remember. But if you obtained your number or changed it recently, even a few weeks ago, how many people know their number of heart and actually able to recall it without going into their own settings? Fine, many people can. That's one phone number. How many of us can remember a number of phone numbers? Very few. It's mentioned that Einstein, despite being the genius that he was, throughout his whole life he was never able to remember his phone number. He used to always rely on the operator to link him to his line at home course, he could remember what he needed to, but that's the amazing nature of memory. How many of us can memorize a single page in a language that we understand, and not only memorize it, but then preserve it in our long-term memory over many, many years? How many of us can do that? In a language that we understand. In fact, let's make the challenge even easier. Forget a page of any random book or someone else's work and writing. How many of us can write a few couplets, a few lines, or a paragraph or a story of our own production, of our own invention, our own composition? This is a product of our own mind. These are our thoughts and words imprinted on the paper. How many of us can memorise our own few words and remember them? Long-term. Singers, artists and performers, even though they produce their songs and their music in studios, Many of them, when they perform, in fact the clear majority of them, they are unable to remember their own words, own songs, own couplets in their entirety. And they do not feel confident enough to rely on their own memory. But often they mimic to backstage music. And these are the artists who have rehearsed and repeated their own songs and how long is a song, how long is a poem, how long are a few couplets. How many of us can memorize a shopping list? No exaggeration. I'm giving you these examples to put the memorization of the Qur'an into perspective. Many of us cannot remember in correct detail what we had for breakfast. We rely on notes, on pen and paper, for almost everything. We are totally reliant on notes. We can't even remember a simple shopping list. Despite having a hungry stomach and an actual need for certain household goods and items, of groceries, etc., when we go to the shop, we're actually roaming around the aisles Jogging our memories trying to remember what was that thing that I was supposed to get. We can't memorize a simple shopping list. In contrast to this, put the memorization of the Qur'an into perspective. A book in a totally foreign language whose single letter a child does not understand. Not one word even, even a letter the child cannot understand. In fact, the very reading and the liturgical reading and the pronunciation itself took very long to acquire and to master. And despite all of that effort, the child, girl or boy, can, despite being very sharp, and despite having a good memory and a good brain at that young age does not understand a single word of it. And yet, that child, with ease, with flow, with simplicity, along with their education in school, their playtime their time spent with their family, their time spent outside, in just two, three hours in the evening, over the period of two or three years, that same young child, along with everything else, is able to memorize approximately 9,000 lines of Arabic text of a language that they do not understand a single letter of. And they are able to remember it and repeat it. Put that into perspective. And we're not talking about one child, two children, three children. These are three children here. At the same time. In this city. In this country. In Europe. In, on this continent. In other continents. And throughout the world. We don't have one, two, three A few score, a couple of hundred, a few thousand, or even a few hundreds of thousands. Alhamdulillah, we can say with confidence, irrefutably, that right now there are millions upon millions of young children memorizing the same Qur'an. All over the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I will preserve the Qur'an. And how has he preserved it? There is a raging argument in academia that the Qur'an does not have ancient manuscripts. For all of the scriptures, the historicity and the authenticity of other scriptures is widely accepted even in academia despite the fact that That manuscripts, preserved, complete manuscripts of these scriptures, can only be traced back to many, many centuries after their original composition. So it's believed about a certain book or scripture that this scripture goes back 3,000 years, or 2,500 years. And yet the oldest complete manuscript of that scripture, instead of going back 25 centuries, only goes back 9 centuries. And yet the authenticity and the historicity of that scripture is widely accepted even in academia. Very unfairly, when it, came, when it comes to the Quran, different standards are imposed. Different very stringent conditions are imposed on the Holy Quran in order to accept its authenticity. And the argument was, a couple of years, well a couple of decades ago, the argument was that we do not have authentic manuscripts of the Holy Quran that go back to even the 10th century CE of the common era, i.e. the 3rd century of Islam. So the argument, the common argument raised by a number of academics was that there is no authentic copy of any manuscript of the Quran prior to the 3rd century of Islam. This was the argument a couple of decades ago. And then gradually, over the past few decades, as more and more manuscripts ...are being shown and produced and unearthed from all over the world. That date kept on being pushed back. Then it was, okay, we now accept that they are authentic manuscripts... ...of the Holy Quran from the 9th century of the Common Era... ...i.e. the 2nd century of Islam. Or at least half of the 2nd century. And then, but there is nothing before that... And then, alhamdulillah, more and more manuscripts came to light. They were checked, cross-referenced, rigidly investigated, rigorously investigated. And it was now accepted that the there are authentic manuscripts of the Holy Qur'an to be found even of the second century of Islam. And then, but nothing earlier. And then go back further and further until relatively recently it was accepted that, okay, we do find authentic uh, mention of the Holy Qur'an and its verses at towards the end of the first century of Islam. And then just recently in the past few months, I believe it was in the month of May or June, uh, sorry, in the month of May, an article was published in one of the academic journals which showed that there are some folios from an authentic manuscript of the Holy Qur'an with radiocarbon dating, the latest that they have marked the date of that authentic folio from the manuscripts of the Quran is the latest, i.e., it could possibly be even earlier, but the latest is. 646 CE, i.e. 14 years after the hijrah of Rasulullah, sorry, 14 years after the passing away of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa 24 years after the hijrah, i.e. during the time of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan But the important thing is, that's as far as manuscripts are concerned. But the Muslims have always said, that for us, the Quran is not a written tradition, it's an oral tradition. And the manuscripts only ratify, prove, and confirm what is contained in the hearts of men. Allah Azza wa Jal Himself says that the Quran is not a written tradition. Allah says, وَمَا كُنْتَ تَتْلُو مِن قَبْلِهِ مِنْ كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكِ إِذَا لَرْتَابَ الْمُبْطِلُونَ بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي سُدُورِ الَّذِينُ أُوتُ الْعِلْمِ Allah says, addressing the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, You are not one, O messenger of Allah, to recite any book. You are not able to read any book before this. And nor were you able to write with your right hand. If that was the case, that you could read and write, إذن al then surely those who seek to spread falsehood would have surely doubted. Nay, بَلْ Nay. هُوَ This, ايذ, it, the Qur'an, is what? Ayatun bayyinat Clear verses fi صدور الَّذِينَ utul الْعِلْمِ In the bosoms of those men, or those people, who have been given knowledge. Allah says... The Qur'an is not so much a written tradition as it is an oral tradition. This is why in Makkah al-Mukarramah, the Quraysh repeatedly asked the Prophet "O Muhammad, if you wish us to believe in you as a true messenger, then produce for us a book. In between two covers, whose paper we can touch. If you can produce a book for us, between two covers whose papers we whose paper we can touch, we will believe in you. When the Prophet وسلم, did not the Quraysh say to the Prophet, and we will never believe in you, O oh Muhammad, until you rise to the heavens and you come back down with a book that we can read. I, if you do that, we will believe in you. When he went to Mecca, when he went to Medina after the Hijrah, the people of Medina said the same. As Allah says, ahmul Kitab In Kitab," O Messenger of Allah, the people of the book, they demand or they ask of you that you reveal and bring down to them a book. Kitab a book from the sky. So the people of Mecca. ...said to the Prophet ﷺ, produce a book for us between two covers and we will believe in you. When he went to Medina, the people of Medina said, "O oh Muhammad, produce a book for us between two covers and we will believe in you. Despite the constant demands of the people of Mecca and the people of Medina... ...for a written book between two covers, whose paper they could touch... And if that book was produced, they would believe, despite these incessant demands, Allah never revealed a book between two covers of paper. Rather, Allah sent Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam didn't just plant the words in the mind of the Holy Messenger and depart. No, he would sit with him and he would read and they would actually revise the Qur'an with each other. The oral tradition and this traditional method of learning and memorizing the Qur'an by rote of teacher Instructing the student, the student sitting in front of the teacher learning this principle, this tradition was established first of all by the Messenger of Allah and Jibreel. And it continued the Prophet وسلم, to his students and his students to, his, to their, their students and their students to their students and subsequently till today. And this tradition continues all over the world, including here. This is a chain that goes back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa For Muslims, Muslims have always said, the Qur'an is not so much a written tradition as it is an oral tradition. The written tradition is merely a confirmation, supplementary evidence, is merely complementary confirmation of what is contained in the hearts of the Muslims, the Holy Qur'an. Allah said, I will preserve the Qur'an. And the the method and the manner in which Allah decided to preserve the Holy Qur'an wasn't through writing, even though that is there. As I mentioned earlier, this was a point I was trying to make, that Allah has preserved the Qur'an, but not so much through the written tradition, even though that is also there. Time after time, different dates have been set that, oh, there is no documentary evidence of manuscripts of the Holy Qur'an before the third century of Islam. And gradually, these dates have been pushed back further and further until now. As a latest date marked by radiocarbon dating, we are being told that it may even possibly be earlier, but at the latest, we have manuscripts of the Qur'an dating from the time of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan Allah. There are approximately 250,000 minimum manuscripts of the Holy Qur'an throughout the world. 250,000. In Germany, during the 1930s, a team of German academics and Orientalists, they embarked on a project of gathering manuscripts of the Qur'an. Ancient manuscripts. Remember, we're not talking about the printed word. We're not talking about printed editions and printed copies. We're talking about ancient manuscripts that were handwritten. They embarked, a a team of German Orientalists embarked on the project of collecting manuscripts from all over the world in the 1930s. Eventually, the project was still running, but they had managed to collect. 40,000 manuscripts. 40,000. All different of the Holy Quran. Some of them were original manuscripts. Originals. Many others were uh, copies of the original manuscripts. Photos. Unfortunately, the, despite the diligent work of the German academics... Because this project was being uh, carried out in the 1930s and in the early 1940s, the whole building, including all the 40,000 manuscripts, as well as many of the academics, all became a casualty of the Second World War and they have been lost to history. However, the work was still continuing, but the most remarkable thing is that of the 40,000 manuscripts that they were studying, it was an ongoing project. But the one conclusion they had come to was that there was no difference between 40,000 manuscripts of the Holy Qur'an. And even now, like I said, there are there is a minimum number of 250,000 manuscripts of the Holy Qur'an. Minimum. But for the Muslims, this is merely a confirmation, and this is merely complementary evidence of the oral tradition of the Holy Qur'an. And what is that oral tradition? This is that oral tradition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made an individual undertaking and took on a personal responsibility of guarding and memorizing, of guarding and preserving the Holy Qur'an. And what was the manner and method in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to preserve the Holy Qur'an? Through books? No. Through paper? No. Through modern technology? No. Through ink? No. The manner in which Allah Azza chose to preserve the Holy Qur'an and to illustrate his miracle is by the hearts of millions and hundreds of millions of children throughout the centuries. That the, the children, the hearts of young children are the repositories of the Holy Qur'an, of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put that into perspective. I would like to mention something else regarding the Qur'an and why we are here today to commemorate the completion of the Qur'an by these three young children. Do you know, we like to see young people excel. Not just young people, we like to see adults excel. When somebody achieves something, we wish to celebrate that accomplishment. We wish to reward them. We wish to commend them. This is why we have awards, we have ceremonies. We have announcements. We have declarations. We have applause. And we applaud people for their achievements. People are made to feel worthy and worthwhile and rewarded for their efforts and for their hard work. Children, very young children seek rewards and they also seek recognition. So do adults. And we see that in everything. A child gets a good grade and the teachers, the parents, the schools, they wish to award them, they wish to recognise them. They wish to commemorate their achievements. We do that in every single field. For both children as well as adults. There is immense rivalry and competition in what we do as human beings. Both as children as well as adults. We want the best for our children. We want them to go to the best schools to receive the best education, to attain the best grades, to climb the career ladders of the best professionals. We want to give them the best chance in life, and we work hard for that, and in order to achieve that there's immense rivalry and competition and one-upmanship and outdoing and vying with each other amongst parents as well as the children. We have certain careers that we believe to be very prestigious. Strangely, some of the most prestigious careers are not necessarily the most financially rewarding. And some of the most financially rewarding careers have no prestige whatsoever. In fact, a few weeks ago I read an article, some of you may have come across it also. It was a scientific article, which has been produced after years and years of study. And the conclusion of that scientific article was, and of that study was, that people do not enjoy happiness because of wealth. They enjoy happiness Because of social prestige. So no matter how much money you have. If there is no social prestige with that money. People are disappointed. And there's a very solid reasoning behind that. Because human nature is such. That we crave things. And we believe that money will provide those very things that we crave for. Once we have that money and our cravings are satisfied, we then have further cravings. And the same cravings, even when they are fulfilled and satisfied, do not award the same pleasure. But social prestige is such a thing that with or without money, social prestige is always rewarding and it uplifts a person, it inspires a person, makes them feel worthy it gives them self-worth and confidence. So the simple conclusion is, money doesn't make you happy, social prestige does. But, this is why there are certain professions, we want our children to go into those professions, even though they may not necessarily be the most financially rewarding. But, because of the prestige, the prestige associated with the intelligence, the academic rigour, and the study of those professions and their, the social standing of people attached to these professions, we want our children to have that same social standing. Regardless of whether they may be the most financially rewarding or not. We want that for ourselves, we want it for our children. And we pave the way for our children to achieve this. We try to attain this ourselves. Every morning we rise, we go to work. Not just necessarily to earn the minimum that we need to survive, but to earn more to fulfill our desires, our intentions, our hopes and aspirations for social standing and social prestige in that vying and rivalry with one another to have the most honor and dignity as well. And we send our children along the same path also. No, fair enough, Nothing. Uh, no comment on that, but... I'm mentioning all of this as an introduction to something which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahmatullahi and so many others, they relate a hadith from Abu Abdul Rahman who relates from Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, radiyallahu anhu, who said, Rasulullah said, The best amongst all of you is one who learns the Qur'an and who teaches it. We all go out to try and achieve social prestige and recognition and standing and achievement in many different fields of education and careers. And we all think that my career is better than the other my profession is more prestigious than the other rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam makes the decisive categorical argument ending statement that no matter what you may think and the whole world may think allah's messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam says the best amongst all of you is one who learns the quran and who teaches it these three children have more prestige more honour and dignity and not just these three, but millions all over the world like them. Young children have more prestige and more honour and dignity. Maybe not in the eyes of the creation, but certainly in the sight of the Creator. The best amongst you is one who learns the Quran and who teaches it. When I related the hadith, I mentioned that Abu Abdir Rahman as-Sulami relates his hadith from Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu anhu, who relates from Rasulullah This Imam Abu Abdir Rahman, the student of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu uh, he was one of the greatest scholars of Islam. Being a student of the Sahaba and narrating from Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu he was one of the greatest scholars. Yet... Despite being such a great scholar, what profession did he choose? He was held in honor and esteem. He enjoyed a very influential and powerful position. And he was highly regarded by everyone. So what did this Imam Abu Abdurrahman Rahman choose to be? Who relates his hadith on Uthman ibn Affan, do you know what he did? For 70 years of his life till the day he died, the profession and the career which he chose was to teach the Holy Qur'an. Nothing else. He related the hadith and he acted on it perfectly till the day he left the world. He spent his entire life teaching, learning and teaching the Qur'an. The memorization of the Qur'an is a miracle. And those who memorize the Qur'an are part of that miracle. As I said earlier, we are unable to memorize a few lines of our own writing. And yet children, without being able to understand a word of that language, can memorize 9,000 lines approximately of the Holy Qur'an and preserve it in their hearts and minds till the day they die. The Qur'an is a miracle in many different ways. The Quran is not necessarily the most published book in the world. It's not. The Quran is not necessarily the most printed book in the world. The Quran is not even the best-selling book in the world. The best-selling book in the world is the Bible. And the second best-selling book in the world is the Communist Manifesto. It is. Co-authored by Karl Marx. So the Quran is not the most printed book in the world. It's not the most... Widely published book in the world. It's not the best-selling book in history. It isn't. The Quran is even not the most widely located, situated, and placed book in the world. Walk into any waiting lounge, you'll find copies of magazines and other books, but you won't find the Quran there. Open a drawer in a hotel room, you won't find other book, You won't find the Quran, though you will find other books there. waiting lounges, hotel rooms. The Qur'an is not even the most widely located and placed book in the world. Despite not being the most widely published, widely printed, widely situated and located book in the world, the Qur'an has a unique claim and honor and distinction of being the most widely memorized and read book, not only today but throughout history. No other book, no other single work has been memorized as many times as the Holy Quran. In fact, no other work comes to a fraction or a percentage of the quantity of the memorization of the Quran. No. No other work. And the miracle of the Qur'an in its recitation, Allahu Akbar, we are now coming to the month of Ramadan. Every day, in every salah, in the masajid, openly, silently, loudly, quietly. Children, men, women, everyone reads the Qur'an. And in the month of Ramadan, we will see the sunnah of the Qur'an being recited and listened to in its entirety in prayer. And in the month of Ramadan, in this country alone, you will find congregations of Salatul Taraweeh. Not just in the Masajid, but in homes, in factory units, in warehouses, in shops. And that's the case all over the world. Those who are hafidh of the Holy Qur'an, those who are hufad, and those who are the teachers of the hufad, they will identify with what something I'm about to say. Others may not, fully be able to appreciate it. But when it comes to Ramadan, Hufad, the reason we have so many different places where Tarawih Salah is being performed, is that Hufad, young children as well, who at least have reached the age of maturity, they are unable to find places to be able to read the Qur'an. And therefore, everyone's trying to find out from others and find a place that can I read Salah at your place? Even if it's not 20 raka'at, just 4 raka'at, or even just 2 raka'at. No one can find a place to read. And therefore, we find uh, congregations of taraweeh where the entire Qur'an is being recited. In this country alone, in all kinds of areas, homes, factories, units warehouses at the rear of shops I was once visiting a Muslim country and we went around a roundabout and it's a very busy city very congested and there was a small roundabout, I would say a medium sized roundabout and it had nothing but grass on the whole roundabout and it's bang in the middle of a huge area which is highly congested with traffic And as we were waiting there, in traffic, moving on very, very slowly, they pointed out the roundabout to me, and they said, see that roundabout? And I said, yes. They said, nothing remarkable about it, is it? I said, no, it's just normal roundabout, completely empty, just covered with grass. They said, do you know that roundabout It's very famous? Because in the month of Ramadan, we have a jama'ah of Salatul Taraweeh, inside the roundabout and throughout the month of Ramadan one whole Quran is complete, in the middle of the roundabout with traffic whizzing around the Quran is the most widely read book the most widely memorized book throughout history and all of this the recitation the memorization this oral tradition in the hearts and minds of men women and young children girls and boys this is part of the miraculous nature of the Holy Quran. And this method of little children learning by rote before their teachers, it may seem outmoded and outdated, but it in fact stretches all the way to Rasulullah. <laughs> Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhu laitsah hadith in his sahih. From Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas Abdullah ibn Abbas adhiallahu anhumah says, that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would meet with Jibreel alayhi salam, in his eagerness and haste to capture the Qur'an in his heart, and not forget any of the words rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would repeat the words of the quran along with jibril alayhi salam so he wouldn't wait for jibril alayhi salam to finish and then abdullah ibn abbas anhuma he demonstrated practically how the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would follow the recitation of Jibreel (laughs) along with him. And uh, although, forgive me for the crude comparison, indeed there is no comparison, but merely for the purposes of illustration, for our better understanding, imagine what we do when someone is giving us their telephone number and we don't have a pen or a notepad or even a phone at hand to record the number. So someone says 078 whatever, 07855. Five. What do we do? We start quickly repeating after them. Zero seven eight five five. Silently like that. So this is what Abdullah ibn Abbas Sadi Allah illustrated. And it is the beauty of the chain of authenticity and the oral tradition of Islam. That Abdullah ibn Abbas Sadi Allah, when he narrated this hadith, he said to his students that I will now show you how the Prophet would recite the Qur'an silently under his breath, alongside Jibreel salam, <laughs> out of fear of forgetting or losing part of the Qur'an. So Abdullah ibn Abbas silently demonstrated it in the following manner. His students illustrated it in the same way. His students demonstrated it in the same way to their students when narrating this hadith, and so on and so forth. Our teachers, when they narrated this hadith to us, and we studied this hadith unto them, not one, not two, but an array of teachers... Every one of them also demonstrated it to us also. And I, whilst narrating this hadith to you with an uninterrupted chain all the way to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I, in the manner of Abdullah ibn Abbas sallallahu also demonstrate to you how the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa would recite under his breath. That is the beauty and the miracle, another miracle of the isnad and the Sanad of Islam. This uninterrupted, broken chain stretching back all the way to Rasulullah sallallahu <laughs> Not just with the Holy Quran, but even with the words of the Messenger sallallahu <laughs> and the noble Hadith. So Abdullah ibn Abbas says that when the Prophet sallallahu would meet with Jibril <coughs> he would out of fear of losing the words of the Qur'an, he would repeat alongside Jibreel alayhi <laughs> salam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verses to him, لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه Fa فإذا قرأناه فاتبع Qurana ثم إن علينا بيانه Allah said, O oh, Prophet of Allah addressing him, do not move your tongue in order to hasten with the Qur'an. Inna alayna Indeed it is upon us to collect and gather the Quran i.e. in your heart. Wa indeed it is our responsibility and upon us to recite the Quran to you in the correct way. Then, thumma inna alayna bayana, then indeed it is upon us to expand and clarify the Quran to you. What this ver So after that, what would the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam do? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wouldn't repeat alongside Jibreel alayhi salam because he no longer had any fear of losing any words of the Qur'an. He would listen attentively. Jibreel alayhi sallam would come recite to him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi would listen attentively. And then once Jibreel alayhi salam had completed his recitation, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would repeat after him. That method of learning... Which we know for our children, where they sit in front of their teachers, the teacher reads, the child and pupil listen attentively and they repeat after their teacher. This method was set as a practice, as a precedent, as a sunnah by none other than Rasulullah and Jibril alayhi salatu And that tradition continues till today. Let me mention one other miraculous aspect of the Holy Quran and its preservation. Allah says, Indeed it is upon us to collect the Quran in your heart. The words just say collect, but we know that means in his heart. Indeed it is upon us to recite the Quran to you. فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ So therefore when we recite it, you follow its recitation. Then indeed it is upon us to clarify and expand the Qur'an. That means the words of the Holy Qur'an, the recitation and the manner of recitation of the Holy Qur'an, and the bayan, i.e. the exposition and the exegesis, and explanation of the Holy Qur'an, all three come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All three. We don't just have the words from Allah, leaving us to expound the Qur'an as we wish, leaving us to pronounce and recite the Qur'an as we wish. The bayan comes from Allah. I.e. the exposition and the exegesis and the clarification of the meanings and the words of the Qur'an. All of these come from Allah. The jammah, i.e. the collection and the gathering and the preservation of the Qur'an in the hearts of men Comes from Allah And number two, the Quran And even the manner of recitation comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Let me explain the miracle of the Qur'an, i.e. the recitation of the Qur'an Because actually Qur'an means recitation Qur'an itself, the word Qur'an originally just simply means recitation That's what it means, it means reading Before I explain the miracle of the Quran, i.e., the recitation of the Quran, again, let me give you, let me share some background. Until a few, let's say, how we say, until two decades ago, and a few decades before that, until relatively recently, there was no mass communication. There was no mass media and there was no mass broadcasting. What this meant is that languages and dialects and accents of individual languages and dialects would develop independently and diverge quite rapidly. To give you an example, even now, in India alone, not even in the whole of the Indian subcontinent... Leaving aside Pakistan and leaving aside Bangladesh, leaving aside Sri Lanka. Just the Indian country, uh, the country of India by itself, it has 800 officially recognized languages. 800. And in the Indian subcontinent, there's a famous saying. And I'll say it in Urdu, those who appreciate Urdu, but The Harbaragal hai. Which means that after every 12 villages, the language changes. <coughs> Even in Europe, it's not just an Eastern phenomenon. Even in Europe, in Switzerland, it was famously mentioned about Switzerland, that before the modern era, every valley of Switzerland had its own dialect. Because of the mountainous region and the difficult passages between the areas... When people are isolated in one area, their language, their, their dialects dive, diverge and change. Change uh, These things change. And we're not even talking about accents. And then even with the onset of mass communication and mass broadcasting and instant communication, despite living in the global village, forget any other country of the world, look at the UK. Even now, in 2012, despite there being a set standard language with its standard grammar, with standard education throughout the country. There are still dialects. Despite having received pronunciation, there are still dialects with individual vocabulary in different areas. And apart from dialects, there are numerous accents. In fact, the accent of North London is distinct from the accent of South London. West London has an accent distinct from East London and that's just within one city and the accents of the south differ greatly from the accents of the north these are accents despite mass communication, mass broadcasting even accents and intonations of the language and vocabulary and dialects differ even within the same parents language such as English in contrast to this when it comes to the tilawah of the Qur'an, forget the meaning, forget the words, just the pronunciation. Whether it's now in 2012, or whether it's two centuries ago, or whether it's 12 centuries ago. Because the Qur'an, i.e. the recitation, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Jibreel alayhi salam, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Today, a child reciting here in Harrow, we can say with confidence that a similar age child, all the way in the furthest east of the globe, he, will be, he or she will be reciting the Holy Qur'an in exactly the same manner. Over the 14th centuries, not only have the words been preserved, but even the Qur'an, the recitation has been preserved. In fact, people may say, fine, dialects in neighbourhoods, accents in different parts of the city, that's understandable. But even the received pronunciation of the country has undergone immense changes. To give you an example, look at the archives, both of video as well as audio. Received pronunciation of broadcasters, of news anchors, of newscasters. Go back not 20 years, go back 10 years, and then another 10 years and another 10 years, you will see that even received pronunciation had its own style of English, of pronunciation, of speaking in the '90s, '80s, '70s, '60s, go back to 30s. And right now, just if we listen to the broadcasts of 70, 80 years ago, even though that was received pronunciation, we find it very strange compared to modern pronunciation. And that's one language in one country. And the official received pronunciation over just seven, eight decades. Despite mass communication and modern standards of technology. And in contrast to that, compare the the tajweed and the recitation of the Holy Qur'an throughout 14 centuries throughout the globe. Allahu Akbar. Allah has preserved not only the words, but even the manner of recitation and even the meanings and the message of the Holy Qur'an. We are now approaching the month of Ramadan as I mentioned in the Jumu'ah khutbah for those of you who are present. The upcoming month of Ramadan is the month of the Qur'an. And we should mentally and even physically prepare ourselves, free ourselves from other chores and duties and take time out. And mentally and spiritually prepare ourselves for the upcoming month so that we can spend it in the tilawah and the recitation of the Holy Qur'an. We have three duties towards the Qur'an. And the Qur'an has three major responsibilities. Sorry, the Qur'an has three major rights over us. The first is that we recite the Qur'an. We cannot abandon the Qur'an. Allah says, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّي إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا." And the Messenger said, Oh my Lord, these people... My people have abandoned the Qur'an. We cannot abandon the Qur'an. Part of the abandoning of the Qur'an is to abandon its recitation. And also to abandon reflection and pondering of its meaning and message. And to abandon amal and acting on the Qur'an. These are the three major rights of the Qur'an. Number one, we should recite the Qur'an. Two, we should make an effort to reflect on the meaning and message of the Qur'an three, once we have understood and we can't understand the whole of the Quran, that is a lifetime endeavour. And even then we won't be able to accomplish it. But as we gain an understanding of the Quran, its meaning, its message, its teachings, number three, we should implement those teachings practically in our lives. There is not much time left. I'll end with a mention of the achievement of these young children, in the hope that this may serve as an encouragement and inspiration to others. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbar, rahmatullahi alayhi, relates in his musnad, from Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-Asr, anhum, that the Prophet said said, on the day of reckoning, it will be said to Someone who has memorized the Qur'an. اقرأ كما كنت في الدنيا. فإن إن آخر آية تقرأها. Read and rise. اقرأ Read and rise. And continue to climb. And recite as you would recite in the dunya. For today, your position, your rank, آخر will be at the final verse that you are able to read. For each verse, you will climb a rank. And you will continue to climb. Read today as you would read in the world. In another famous hadith, you know, I was speaking earlier about should we regard this as an achievement of memorizing the Qur'an? Should we regard it as an achievement? Rasulullah says, in a hadith later by Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim, and many others, from Sayyidina Abu Hurairah that the Prophet وسلم, said, لا حسد إلا فثنتين رجل علمه الله القرآن فهو آناء الليل وآناء النهار فسمعه جار له فقال Laytani uti to mitnama utifulan fa'amil to be myamal. Wa rajulun atahullahumadan. Fahu yuliku who filhaq. Faqala Rajul, Laytani uti to mitnama utifulan fa'amil to be myam. Oh come a sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in this hadith That la hasad illa fithnatain. There is no envy, except in two things. Which means that we, as human beings, we are envious. We look at others and we say, "I wish I had that." There is no coveting, and there is no envy. There should be no envy. There should be no coveting. There should be no desire to have what another has, except in two things. Only in two things should there be coveting. And what are those two things? Number one, a man whom Allah has taught the Qur'an, and so he recites the Qur'an throughout the night and throughout the day, a neighbor hears him reciting the Qur'an and then the neighbor longingly says, Oh, I wish, would that I were given what he has been given so that I could do what he does. I.e., would that I could have the Qur'an also so that I will recite the Qur'an night and day just as he recites it. Or, the second thing in which, envy, innocence, benign envy, not malignant envy. The second thing in which it's permissible to covet something that someone else has and wants it for oneself without wishing that other person to be deprived of it is the example of a man whom Allah has given wealth but he uses that wealth and spends it in the truth for you likahu fil He spends it in the truth. So another person looking at him longingly says, Oh, I wish that I had the same wealth that he has. So that I could do what he does, i.e. spend it in the truth. These are the only two things in which we should look at others and aspire to what they have, to covet what they have and to feel innocent and benign envy towards them for what they have. And Allah mentions this in the Quran, both these things. In Surah Fatir, Allah Says إن الذين يتلون كتاب الله وأقاموا الصلاة وأنفقوا مما رزقناهم وعلانية يرجون تجارة لن تبور ليوفيهم أجورهم ويزيدهم من فضله إنه غفور شكور Allah Says verily those who recite the book of Allah and who establish salah and who spend from what we have bestowed upon them both secretly and openly these are the ones who will hope for a trade that will never perish. So that Allah may reward them and recompense them. Their reward and their payment in full. And give them even more of His bounty and grace. Verily He, Allah, His most forgiving, most grateful, most acknowledging. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi says, if you wish to envy someone, you aspire to what someone else has. If you want to covet what someone else has, then it's not permissible for you to do so except in two things. The Qur'an, in that the person recites it, and you wish that you had the Qur'an, so you could recite it just as they do. Or wealth which they spend in the truth. Rather, and then he, the Prophet sallallahu himself describes, unfortunately, what... People are really like. And rather than longing for and coveting the Quran and wealth to be spent in the truth, what do people really covet? What do people really aspire to? He mentions in a hadith recorded by Imam Ahmad ibn Musnad from Sayyidina Abu Qabshah, he says the Prophet said, There are four kinds of people in the world. Listen to this hadith, it's very telling. There are four kinds of people in the world. The first person is one whom Allah has given wealth and Allah has also given understanding. So he uses that wealth in the truth and he fears Allah in that wealth and he fulfills the rights of Allah in that wealth. فَهَذَا أَفْضُلُ الْمَنَازِلُ The Prophet says, this is the best of all grains. And then the second person, is one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has deprived of wealth, but Allah has granted him understanding. So he looks at the first and he says, would that I wish I had the wealth that he has so I could do exactly what he does. If I had that wealth, sincerely, he says, I would fear Allah in that wealth. I would fulfill the rights of Allah in that wealth. I would spend it in the truth, and I would bond the kin, the rights of kin and blood and relationships, relations with that wealth. So the Prophet wasallam says, because of his intention, he will enjoy the reward of the first. Then the Prophet sallallahu says of the third person. This is a person whom Allah has given wealth, but he is deprived of understanding. So he does not fear Allah in his wealth. And he does not spend it in the truth. And he does not fulfill the rights of Allah in that wealth. And he does not bond the relations and the ties of kin and blood with that wealth. Prophet says, manazil," This is the most despicable and the worst of all grades. And then he says the fourth person is one whom Allah has deprived of both wealth and understanding. So he looks at number three and he says, Oh, I wish I had wealth like he has, so I would do exactly what he does. The Prophet says, the fourth one, even though he doesn't actually physically get to enjoy what the third one does, the fourth one, merely because of his aspiration and his intention, his punishment will be exactly the same as the third person. So Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam says, if you, if you really wish to covet something, if you really wish to aspire to something, if you really wish to have what someone else has, then you should not be longing or coveting or wishing for what anyone else has, except in two things, the Qur'an and wealth that a person spends in the truth. <laughs> Indeed, these children and millions like them are to be envied. By the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa People with millions and billions, in the words of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa are not to be envied, but the children and others who carry the Qur'an of Allah in their hearts are truly to be envied. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand the miraculous nature and the beauty of the Holy Qur'an. May Allah adorn us with the recitation and the understanding and the teachings and the acting on the teachings of the Holy Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the Holy Quran a light in our lives, not only in the dunya but also in the akhirah. May Allah make us amongst those for whom the Quran acts as an intercessor for indeed in a hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says on the Day of Judgment, the fast will intercede on behalf of the fasting person, and the Quran will intercede on behalf of the reciting person. This lecture was delivered by Sheikh Abu Yusuf Riyadhul Haq and has been brought to you by Al Kotha Productions. For additional lectures and products, please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on 0044 or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under license by Alkotha Productions, all rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorised distribution, broadcasting or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.